Well, this morning with our uh, Thanksgiving Corn Fellowship uh, tonight and uh, the celebration of Thanksgiving Day on Thursday, I thought it would be good uh, to bring, I, I trust, just a very simple, a very practical message on giving thanks uh, to God. Uh, if you picked up a copy of the sermon notes, uh, you'll see that the sermon evolves around uh, three very, very simple questions, and I will attempt uh, to answer those. First, what does it mean to give thanks to God? Uh, second, why give thanks to God? And then third, how to give thanks to God? So let's begin with that very first question in your notes. Uh, what does it mean to give thanks to God? Now, the Greek word for thanksgiving is an absolutely fascinating word. You see it there in your notes, the word eucharistio. Uh, the word itself envelops the Greek word for grace, which is charis. You can actually see C-H-A-R-I-S in the heart uh, of, the, of the word itself. And, of course, what is God's grace? God's grace is His undeserved favor that He, what, extends to sinners uh, through the gift of Jesus Christ. But the word also holds its derivative, the Greek word kara, meaning joy. So here's the fascinating thing about this word, eucharistio. The word blends the thoughts of thanks, joy, and grace, which leads us to the definition that you see in your notes. This is what it means biblically to give thanks. Giving thanks to God is expressing the delight you feel in your heart towards God for His undeserved favor, for His grace. That is the essence of biblical thanksgiving. It is the delight you feel deep in your heart. It's uncoerced. It's a spontaneous gratitude that just flows from you as you realize you've been the recipient of God's unmerited, undeserved favor and grace. By the way, that word, uh, Eucharistio, is the same word Christ used to establish the Lord's Supper. A matter of fact, one of the words that's used uh, as a synonym for the Lord's Supper is what? Eucharist, the Eucharist. We read in Luke twenty-two thirteen. This is not in, or 19, this is not in your notes, Jesus said when he was instituting the Lord's Supper uh, with his disciples the, the, the night of his betrayal, he said, and when he had taken some bread and given thanks, there's the word, Eucharistio. When he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is what? Given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So the word Eucharistio actually captures the very essence, the very crux, the very heart of Christianity, which is simply to remember, to remember who God is, what God did for us, and to give thanks with heartfelt gratitude for His wonderful grace and love. Now, the, the most important point to emphasize, therefore, is that thanksgiving is much more than just saying thank you to God. It's much more than just being happy about the gifts that you have received from God. True thanksgiving is the spontaneous gratitude you feel in your heart towards God for who He is and what He's given to you. 
True thanksgiving, in other words, glorifies the what? The giver. True thanksgiving is rooted in a humility that acknowledges my desperate need for God and then his loving kindness to respond and meet that need. Now, this verse is not in your notes, but the last verse in Romans 11 really sums it all up. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. So now let's look at the second question. Why give thanks? Okay, we see thanks is expressing the delight we feel in our heart for being a recipient of God's grace, of God's favor. But why give thanks? Why give? Let's be, try to be more specific, even more practical. Now, you'll notice what I've done in your notes. I've taken the word thanks uh, to build an acrostic Uh, to give some of the reasons why we are to give thanks to God. And let's begin with the letter T in thanks. We give thanks to God to express that we trust God. That is one of the primary reasons that we give thanks to God, to express that we trust God. You don't have to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. Many of you, most of you probably know this verse. When you hear it, you will quickly recognize it. It says, in everything what? Give thanks. Why? Because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. The New International Version reads, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Notice, notice, the verse does not say, Be thankful for all things, does it? We live in a fallen world that has been spoiled and perverted by the rebellion and sin of man. As a result, pain, perplexity, relational conflicts, war, tragedy, adversity, disease, death, and a thousand other forms of suffering are the inescapable consequences of living on planet Earth. Planet Earth is not right now what God intended it to be. And one day he's going to change all that. Amen? And we're looking forward to that day. But until then, we don't necessarily thank God for all things, but we thank God what? In all things. We thank God in all circumstances, good and bad. Why? Because we trust That in all circumstances, good or bad, God will not forsake us or fail us. We trust God to fulfill his promise that he will cause all things to work together, what? For our good and his greater glory. We trust God that in all things, we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who loved us. Turn to Psalm 30. Take your Bibles, turn to Psalm 30, and you need to have your Bibles handy. We'll be looking up many of these verses that you find in your sermon notes. Psalm 30. And in many of these verses, I wish we could deal with the larger context, but our time is just too limiting. But I want us to look just at the last two verses of this psalm. This is Psalm of David, and he wrote, Thou hast turned for me my mourning into dancing. Thou hast loosed my sackcloth and girded me with gladness. 
that my soul may sing praise to thee and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to thee forever. Now listen, beloved, here's the point that I want to emphasize right here. And it's so important for you to to realize this, embrace this. Thanksgiving to God is the trigger that releases God's power in your life and circumstances. To turn your mourning into dancing. To transform your grief into gladness. When you thank God in the dark times, this is what you're saying to God. This is what He's hearing. Although, God, I may not can trace your hand right now, I'm going to trust your heart. I believe, God, that you are loving and faithful. I believe, God, that you are all I need and that you will be adequate and you can satisfy my hungry and thirsty soul. You know, the Old Testament book that's probably had the greatest impact on my life has been the little book of Habakkuk. If, uh, and, and again, just don't have time to labor long here, but I just wanted to touch on this because it's very pertinent to this point. If you're familiar with the book, Habakkuk is struggling with God. He's disappointed with God. Because life has not turned out the way he would have expected it to. He, he, he had expected certain things of God. He was not seeing those things happen in his life and in his nation. And if you're familiar with chapter 1, he basically raises two questions. God, do you really care? And God, are you really fair? I mean, he's just really struggling. I mean, in that first chapter, he's arguing with God. He's wrestling with God. He's angry with God. And then chapter 2 is precious. God speaks. And it's just like God. You know, I think many of us have lived long enough to realize that when you're struggling with adversity and when you're perplexed in that adversity, God very seldom gives an explanation. Again, I think the reason for that is he wants to teach us to trust to believe. So although he doesn't give an explanation, he does give promises. He gives guarantees. And that's what he does for Habakkuk in chapter 2. He says, Habakkuk, I know you can't understand right now. You can't trace my hand. And you're very perplexed. But I want to give you several guarantees. Number one, Habakkuk, the just will live by faith. Will you trust me, Habakkuk? Although you may not can see me that I am at work, To accomplish my purposes in your life and in the life of your nation that you love so much. And then the second promise that he gives him, he said, listen Habakkuk, the earth will be filled with my glory. In other words, he was basically tearing Habakkuk, you trust me and I guarantee when the smoke clears at the very end, I'm going to be the victor. I'm going to be the conqueror. The last word in this nation will not be the failure of the people because of their sin, but it will be the triumph of my love and my grace to conquer and to capture and to redeem and to revive. And then the third promise he gives him is he says, Hey, Habakkuk, I'm still on the throne. And and that that last verse ends precious. In the Hebrew text, it's, it's almost as if God is saying, Almost like you'd speak to a little child. Habakkuk, 
Hush. Hush. It, it's okay. Daddy's on the throne. The one who loves you most is in control. Trust me. And then you go to the third chapter. And it's fascinating. The circumstances have not changed. Matter of fact, the actual circumstances had worsened. But although the circumstances had worsened, now his attitude has been totally changed to back. And I just want you to see, let me read for you how he closes the chapter out. And this is just fascinating. This is what he says, verse 16. He says, I heard and my inward parts trembled. At the sound, my lips quivered. Decay enters my bones, and in my place I tremble. He's talking about the adverse circumstances that the people were experiencing and even worse circumstances on the horizon. And then he says, but I shall rest in the day of tribulation for the people to arise who will invade us. He knew that even worse days were ahead for his beloved nation Israel before God would redeem and revive and restore. And then he makes this one of the greatest statements of faith that you see in the entire Bible of a person putting his trust in God, which liberated his spirit to thank God. He says, though the fig tree should not blossom and there be no fruit on the vine, though the yield of the olive should fail and the fields produce no food, though the flock should be cut off from the fold and there be no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. And, and the more literal translation from the, from the Hebrew text would be, I will jump for joy in the Lord. I will spin for delight in God. See, you see, joy at its best when circumstances are at their worst. And the simple point that I want you to see is as he trusted God, he expressed that trust in thanksgiving. And as he thanked God, that liberated his soul. It changed his attitude. He brought him a fresh experience of God's life and power in him. And God wants to do the same thing for you. Look at the letter H, the next letter in the word thanks. We thank God to honor God. Not only to trust God, but to honor God. Uh, Psalm 50, verse 23 reads, let me give this to you. It says, he who offers, listen now, he who offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving honors me. He who offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving honors me. Now, there's two important observations I need to make about that verse. The first is the context in which it is found. If we had the time to look at the, the larger psalm, He begins earlier in the psalm by talking about animal sacrifices, the people giving animal sacrifices. And basically what he says here, more important to me than you going through just religious ritual, is bringing to me a heart filled with gratitude for who I am. He says, in other words, I I think of what Jesus said in Matthew when he says, He says, those, he said, they worship me in vain when their heart is not in it. So what Jesus is saying is, hey, I'm not interested in a lot of religious ritual. I'm not interested in you bringing all this stuff to me thinking that in some way you're earning my favor. No, what I'm interested in, you coming to me 
acknowledging your need, realizing I'm a gracious, loving God, and you coming to me with a heart filled with gratitude for my loving kindness that will never fail you. The second observation I'd like to make is, is for you to see just how close honoring God is, relating, is related to trusting God, what we just talked about. And, and let me express it, uh, the connection this way. The word honor means to hold in high regard. It means to respect. It means to uh, esteem. And there's nothing... Now, think about this. There's nothing that a father wants more than the trust of his child. Now, I'm a father of 10 children. And I can tell you, there's nothing I want more than my children to trust me. And there would be nothing that would devastate me more as a dad for one of my children to say, I, I just, dad, don't believe I can trust you. That'd be devastating. And see, it's no different with our Heavenly Father. A thankful heart honors God because it is saying to God, God, I believe you are worthy of my trust. On the other hand, think about this. On the other hand, complaining, worry, bitterness, a critical spirit, which are all expressions of what? An unthankful heart. Tell God what? They tell God, God, you're not worthy of my trust. I, Lord, I know you mean well by what you say, but I just don't think you can pull it off. I mean, that's what is at the heart of unbelief. Thus, you dishonor God by what? Not giving him the respect and the esteem he deserves. So when we thank God, we not only are expressing our trust in God, but in that we honor him as well. Look at the next letter, the letter A. We give thanks to God to adore God, to trust God, to honor God, but also to adore God. See, we should view our thanksgiving as an expression of worship, which declares the value that we place on our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, the primary word for worship in the Greek New Testament is the word proskuneo. And you know what that word literally means? It means to bow down and to kiss toward. That's, that's the word in the New Testament that's used for worship. Proskuneo. To bow down and as you do, to kiss towards the person that you're honoring, the person that you're showing adoration for. You see, thanking God is our way of kissing God. That's where you need to look at. Thanking God is our way of kissing God. It's our way of showing our affection for God, expressing our love and our adoration. And then just two quick examples, one in the Old Testament, the other in the New. Turn to Second, uh, 1 Chronicles 29. 1 Chronicles 29, you see a great example of this. We're only going to read three verses, but... but you need to understand the context. David, in, in this larger context, he's beginning to collect the materials to build the temple. He's, being, he's beginning to receive an offering 
to provide the monies to build the temple that his son Solomon will, will eventually orchestrate. And you, you have this tremendous record here of, the, of what David himself gave. And then he, he challenges the people for them to give. And there's this incredible free will offering by the people. I mean, they just begin to bring their gold and their silver and their jewelry. And, and, and there's just this tremendous outpouring of sacrificial giving, of tremendous generosity. Uh, verse 9 says, Then the people rejoiced because they had offered so willingly, for they made their offering, don't miss this, to the Lord with a whole heart. And King David also rejoiced greatly. So then David prays to bless the Lord. And look at verses 11, 12, and 13. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Indeed, everything that is in the heavens and the earth. Thine is the dominion, O Lord, and thou dost exalt thyself as head over all. Both riches and honors come from thee, and thou dost rule over all. And in thy hand is power and might, and it lies in thy hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. Now, therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. See, their giving simply expressed the value that they were placing in their relationship with God. They were reciprocating to God's grace and love. They realized they had been the target, the object of God's unmerited favor. And so they realized as they gave this free will offering, no gift could be too great for God. No sacrifice could be too great. And they, and, and they didn't do it out of sense of duty, but out of what? Delight. With a heart filled with gratitude. And then David takes that spirit that's being expressed by the people. And then he puts it to words in this beautiful prayer. And what we see there is just David what? Kissing God. Just kissing God. On behalf of the people. Expressing affection. Expressing adoration. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 15. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15. Last verse in the chapter. Very short verse, but a very beautiful verse. Thanks be to God for his what? Indescribable gift. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And what gift is he talking about, folks? Jesus Christ. The gift of Christ is the basis for our thanksgiving. Now, now just think about this. Think about... The greatest gift that you've ever received from anyone. Maybe it was when you were a child for a birthday or at Christmas time, or maybe even as an adult from uh, a loved one or a family member. Can you remember how excited you got when you received that gift? Can you remember how your heart was filled with spontaneous gratitude? No one had to force you to say thank you. You were probably bending over trying to figure out how many ways you could say thank you and express your gratitude for the gift that you had received. How much more when we reflect on the indescribable gift that has been given to us in Jesus Christ. And that's the point that's being made. We now come to the letter in in the word thanks. And another reason to give thanks to God is to acknowledge that we desperately need God. 
It's actually a way of expressing that we need God. Look at Philippians 4. Uh, Many of you are familiar with this portion of Scripture. Verse 6 reads, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with what? What's the next phrase? With thanksgiving. Let your request be known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, so when I, even when I thank God, it's an expression of how desperately I need God. And, and I do it with thanksgiving, knowing that He will what? Meet my need. I thank Him as I come to Him in my need because I go back to Matthew 6, what Jesus said, and it says what? He even knows what I need before what? Before I ask. Now, that throws a lot of folks off. They say, well, man, if that's true, why do we even bother to ask? And you're missing the whole point. If if there's anything that should excite a believer about prayer and about God, it's this right here. What God is saying is, I know your need before you ever ask. What he's saying is, "I'm, I'm Jehovah. I'm the great I am. And he said, when I set my love on you in eternity past, he says, I foresaw every crisis, every need that you would ever encounter in your life. God is never caught by surprise. We panic, but he provides. So God is saying, in my infinite love for you that was set on you in eternity past, I have foreseen every crisis, every need, every adversity, every tragedy, every moment of grief you will ever experience in your entire life. And because I love you in eternity past, I've already met that need. I've already made the provision for you. What does it say in Revelation? Jesus was slain when? Before the foundation of the world, God in his omniscience foresaw the fall of man. And because he loved man, foresaw his fall, he made provision in his heart even before it took place in time, space, and history. So then you say, okay, if God has made provision for me in eternity past for what I'm experiencing right now, let's just get very practical. What you're experiencing right now, what are the burdens that you carry? Where are you looking for direction? Where are you looking for provision? Where are you looking for just a sense of comfort and encouragement and empowerment? Okay, God God knew exactly where you would be on November 24th, 2003. He knew exactly what you would be, and he already made provision for you. Well, where do you think he stored those provisions that he provided for you in eternity past until you would need them in time, space, and history? Go back to Matthew 6. And he says, when you pray, you're to pray in secret in the what? Inner room. In the Greek text, that word inner room is tamion. In a Jewish home, every home had a tamion. It was a secret room, a secret closet where they would hide their valuables because they didn't have banks. They didn't have safety deposit boxes back in those days. So every home had this secret room that would hide away their valuables. And God is saying it's in the tamion, it's in the prayer place that I've made provision for you. And so think of the excitement of that. Here Andy Merritt is, November 24th, 2013. And I'm struggling with a particular area. I'm hurting. And I am in need. And so 
Man, I want to get to that Tamion because that's where the provision is. And God gives me the wonderful joy to go into that Tamion to discover the provision that he's made for me. But of course, when we what? Neglect prayer, we what? We miss the provision. I wonder when we finally get to heaven and we're able to look back over life's journey, how many care packages we God sent us that we never opened. How many gifts he gave us we never opened. We never availed ourselves of because of our neglect of him. Because instead of putting our trust in him to honor him, to adore him, we complained, we murmured, we worried, we became bitter. We resisted God in doing that instead of with a thankful heart going to that Tamion and saying, Daddy, I'm excited. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I know you've made the provision and I'm here to find it and I'm going to put my trust in you. Amen? Amen. Look at the letter K. Our thanks to God also reveals how well we know God. It's, it's really a gauge. It's, it's a wonderful spiritual barometer Determine how well we know God. Because to know God, folks, is to thank Him. To see Him is to be overwhelmed by His grace and His splendor and His majesty and His power. To know Him is to have your heart set free to praise Him, to love Him. Uh, Just a couple of quick, time's going too quickly, but uh, in Colossians, the book of Colossians. Look at uh, chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. It says there, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly, notice, rooted, and now being built up in him, and established in your faith, just as you were instructed, and what? Overflowing with gratitude. In other words, what is the evidence that someone is truly rooted in Jesus Christ? What is the evidence that someone has truly been built up through the instruction of God's Word to develop an intimacy with Christ? I'll tell you the greatest evidence, an overflowing gratitude from one's heart. Because you've seen Him, and you know Him, and you know His love and His grace. Look at the third chapter, verse 16. Let the Word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing what? With with thankfulness in your hearts to God. With thankfulness in your hearts towards God. So, overflowing gratitude, thankfulness that comes from a person's heart, that is probably the greatest barometer that demonstrates how much someone knows God. Look at the letter S, last. Our thanks puts a spotlight on God. It puts a spotlight on God. Look at Psalm 69. And really, in many ways, I think of all the points that we've discussed, this is probably the most important. Is that our thanks puts a spotlight on God. Let me explain. Look at Psalm 69. Look at verse 30. I will praise the name of God with song, and then circle this next phrase, and shall magnify him, how? With thanksgiving. I shall magnify him with thanksgiving. Now think about this. Now think about this. Just think with me just for a moment. The word magnify 
can be used in two ways. It can be used to make something very small appear bigger than it is, like with a microscope or a magnifying glass, true. But it also can be used to make something very big appear as big and as great as it is. Great example. Think of the Hubble Space Telescope. That telescope has magnified the universe that God has created by enabling us as never before to be able to see with our eyes how vast, how magnificent, and how beautiful the stars and the planets and the galaxies are. And folks, Christians are called to be telescopes. We're called to be telescopes to magnify, to reveal the greatness and the wonder of God. That is our primary purpose in life. And we do that by thanking God, by thanking Him for who He is, for all of His glorious and wonderful attributes. We do that by thanking Him for all of His works, everything that He's done, the splendor and the majesty of those works. See, we live to show others how holy God really is, how just God really is, how loving God really is, how powerful God really is. And it is our thanks to God that puts a spotlight on God so that others will see just how God, how great our God is. So we give thanks to God. Why? To trust Him, to honor Him, to adore Him, to express our need to demonstrate our knowledge of Him and to put the spotlight on Him. Now we come to the last question. How do, how do we give thanks? Now this is important. Okay, we, we've looked at what thanksgiving is. We've looked at why we should give thanks. Now how do we do it? How do we give thanks to God? Look at the next statement in your notes. In the Bible, this is just a very simple but powerful observation. In the Bible, giving thanks to God can always be seen or heard. I've never seen an exception to this rule from Genesis through the book of Revelation. In other words, when you thank God, it's always to be expressive. It's always to be demonstrative. It's never something that's hidden or secret or kept quiet. You never see that in the Scriptures. And the Scripture basically says there's three ways to thank God. And look at them with me very, very quickly. And we'll turn to some of those passages and just move through them fast. Thanks be to God is to be vocal. It's very obvious. I mean, we could just see literally hundreds, if not thousands of scriptures to this point. But look at Psalm, just a couple of examples. Psalm 145. Psalm 145. Look at verse 21. It says, my mouth, my mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and all flesh will bless his holy name forever and ever. Look at Psalm 63, verse 3. Psalm 63, verse 3. It says there, Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my what? Lips will praise thee. Look at uh, Psalm 30, verse 4. It says, Sing praise to the Lord, you His godly ones, and give thanks to His holy name. So, one of the ways we give thanks to God is vocally, through speaking, 
through sharing with others, through singing, as we've already done here this morning. Thanks be to God is also audible. And that's a little bit different than being vocal. For example, look at what I, you see what I mean by this. Psalm 47 verse 1. And we did this earlier today. Oh, clap your hands, all ye peoples. Shout to God with the voice of joy. So clapping, shouting to God in excitement because of his grace, because of his splendor and his wonder, that's a way to praise him. Look at Psalm 150. Psalm 150. And we've practiced this here today with our instruments and our orchestra. It says, praise him with trumpet sound. Did we not have trumpet sound here this morning? Praise him with harp and lyre. Praise him with temporal and dancing. Praise him with stringed instruments and pipe. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You know, I I have sense that some of you, you know, I know, I know, all of you love Andy Johnson, right? Our church has just fallen in love with Andy. We appreciate his ministry. But, but I've sensed that some of you have been a little uncomfortable every Sunday when Andy gets up here and he says, I want it loud. I want energy. I want enthusiasm. Folks, that's biblical. How can we not be loud? How can we not be enthusiastic? How can we not be energetic? If I'm really focusing on the greatness and the wonder and the grace of my God, that liberates my heart to be free to love Him, to praise Him. And then thanks to be God as we close is to be visible. It's to be visible. Look at, and we've done this as well today. Look at uh, Psalm 63 again. Uh, verse uh, verse 4 there. It says, So I will bless thee as long as I live, and I will what? Lift up my hands in thy name. So my soul is satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth offers praises with joyful lips. So I will lift up my hands. Look at 149.3. Now on this one, there's probably only... One person in this church that has demonstrated the freedom in corporate worship to praise God this way. And that's my daughter, Carissa. And here it is, Psalm 149.3, let them praise his name with dancing. There you have it. Praise his name with dancing. So if you get a little upset with Carissa, just, you need to join Carissa. Let her show you some of her dance moves to the Lord. Uh, and then look at one more, 95 6. 95-6. 95-6. And we did this this morning at the offertory prayer. Come, let us worship and what? Bow down. Bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. So I trust this has been simple but very practical message. What is thanksgiving to God? It's the delight. You feel deep down in your heart for being a recipient of God's unmerited favor and grace. And that liberates you to thank Him. And why do we thank Him? What does our thanksgiving do? It, it demonstrates we trust God, we honor God, we adore God, we need God. It shows that we know God and it puts a spotlight on God. And how are we to do it? We're to do it vocally, we're to do it audibly, and we're to do it visibly.
we're not to be ashamed, in other words, to show our love, to show our wonder at the greatness and the magnificence of our God. Father, uh, help us to be set free to thank you as you ought to be thanked, to praise you as you ought to be praised. And Father, it's very obvious we see what the key is here, and that's to know you. Because to know you is to thank you, to know you is to love you, to know you is to adore you, to trust you. Everything we've talked about here this morning. So Lord, our prayer would be, oh God, open our eyes. Show mercy. Open our eyes, the eyes of our hearts that we would see as never before with greater clarity than ever before. The grace, the love, the wonder, the magnificent, the greatness of our God. And as you do, Lord, we know then gratitude will not have to be coerced. It will be spontaneous. It will literally overflow in our hearts, breaking through all those dams of resistance and walls that we've put up to fill us with your life and your love and your power to be all that you desire us to be so that through our thanks, through our lives, we might put the spotlight on you because, Lord, it truly is all about you. It's all about your glory. It's all about your exaltation. And that is our heart's desire to do exactly that. For it's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen.